mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, as we continue through John's gospel, we're going to be beginning this morning in verse 12. However, I would like to go back and just look a little bit for review at um, 1 through 11. If you remember, there was... um, some men who brought a woman to Jesus, testing him. Verse 6 tells us, is that what man does? Verse 6 tells us they were testing him that they might find something to blame him for. He was uh, really in their sights already, we know, because he, they were going to, they were testing, or excuse me, they were planning on killing him. They've already made their plans. We're going to see that culmination, obviously, in the cross. But they come... And they bring a woman caught in adultery. And they said, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the midst of it. And and then what does the law command us such should be stoned? What do you say? And of course, here's a man that's eating with tax collectors. Here's a man that's hanging out with the common people. He's coming and sharing the gospel of grace and the heart of God. And so if he answers that she's supposed to be stoned and says stoner, they've got him in a trap where the people will be mad at him. But if he says not to stoner, then they've got him being a lawbreaker. So they're setting him up. They're testing him. And listen to me. I want want you guys to understand this. God is not mad at you. He loves you. Listen, he did not come to judge you this first time. He come to take your judgment. He come to take our judgment and set the captives free. Listen, and, and there's no reason to test him. There's no reason to try him, but he is good with you doing that. But they're coming to find something to, to test him and to try him so that they can kill him. It's in their heart already. They already hate him because everybody's being drawn. And there's no wisdom or counsel against the Lord. So no matter what you bring to him, he's not going to freak out. He's not going to be confused. He's not, it's, this is not earthly, central, demonic wisdom. This is the God and creator of the universe who spoke and created all things. Bera ex nihilo, if you've been reading with us, out of nothing. Bera ex nihilo. Find somebody on the planet they can create out of nothing. The only thing you and I can create out of nothing is chaos. Confusion. The works of the devil is the only thing that we can do out of nothing. Listen to me. He's not freaking out, but they're testing him. And, you know, me, you, some of us might have said, well, where's the guy at? You know, and that's the age-old question. Where's the guy? I figured out who the guy is. 
I figured out where the man is at. I was praying this morning, and, and the Lord said, you're the man. Listen, you and I are the ones that are unrighteous. You and I are the ones that are in spiritual idolatry or adultery with God. We're the woman being brought before Jesus, and nobody here on the planet can accuse us, and no one can judge us except for God. And look what he does in this text. Do you guys remember that? It was a story of David, actually. David, the king, beloved, who broke every commandment in his sin with Bathsheba. You guys remember this? And in, in uh, uh, 1 Samuel 22 or something, 2 Samuel 12, I was real close, had numbers in it. 2 Samuel 12, Nathan comes to him. The prophet, which is where the word of God comes from, from the prophet in the Old Testament, these last times God speaks to his son Jesus, and he says, David, there was a certain poor man and a rich man, and the rich man was throwing a party, and he took the only lamb that the poor man had, and he slaughtered it, and he fed it to all of his guests. And David said, that man will surely die, and he'll repay fourfold what he has taken. And the word of God, or Nathan, said to him, David, you're the man. You're the man. And see, our sin always looks worse on somebody else. And we're ready to judge them and ready to be Pharisees and ready to say, look what they did and look what they did. But we don't understand, like my Bible study leader, Mike Abney, used to always say, when you're pointing one finger at somebody else, you have three pointing back at you. And they're testifying against you, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that you're the man. You're the person that's in it, that, that was not brought there because you've been set free. David David says, I am, and he confesses it. And Nathan says, but God has put away your sin, and you shall not die. And we see this, that we deserve death. We deserve to die for our sins, but we're not even brought before the throne because we have our position in Christ. We're the man. But see, we're also the woman, too. If you really look at the text, we're brought there. And then what does he say to us at his throne room? What did he do? Remember, he, he, he stooped down and he began to write in the sand. And we always go, well, I know what he wrote. And what did he write in it? And we don't really know. But he writes with his finger, we're told. And if you wish to go back and look at Exodus 31, 18, you will see that the Ten Commandments were written with the finger of God. They were written with the finger of God. So is he really trying to reveal to them in their hard-heartedness that I'm God? in the flesh and he's writing down the ten commandments on the ground and showing them how as they accuse somebody else of adultery they've broken every commandment because listen to me all of us are the man all of us have broken every commandment all of us have fallen short of the glory of god all of us need a savior all of us were blind and we didn't know it all of us practice unrighteousness and if it were not for the grace of god we would all still be dead and dying and going to hell but he's opened blind eyes listen he's opened blind eyes or as luke did I mark it? Luke 4.18 tells us, quoting Isaiah 61, Luke 4.18, this is what Jesus said to them in his hometown. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me 
to preach the gospel to the poor, the good news to the poor, the poor in spirit, not poor monetarily, those that realize that they are the man, the poor in spirit, those that realize they need a doctor, those that realize that they are lost, they're the poor in spirit. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim... This is the proclamation. This is what we're heralding. This is what the good news is, is liberty, freedom to the captives. Those that are in prison, those that have been taken captive by the enemy. And a recovery of sight to the blind. Think about it. The only ones that cannot see light are the blind. To set at liberty or free those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Listen to me. This will make more sense in a minute. Listen, he is setting the captives free. That's what I say we're supposed to be doing. We're following his example. Listen to me. He is the example of how you and I should live. He's the express image of the living God who created the heavens and the earth. And everything that he does on the pages of scripture is what we're supposed to allow the Holy Spirit to do to us. So he has called us. He has put the spirit upon us. He will anoint us and give us gifts and talents and abilities to do what? To go and herald the gospel, to tell others that it's the acceptable year. This age of grace is the time to be set free, to set the captives free from their bondage, from their prisons, to open blind eyes. Listen, but if your eyes are open truly, what do you do? You do as Jesus told this lady. Where are your accusers? Where are your accusers? Now listen to me. I am not telling you not to judge because we have to judge. But we cannot judge eternally. We do not judge for destruction. We judge for reconciliation. The gospel is all about be reconciled to God. We are, as, we are ambassadors as if Christ was pleading through us, be reconciled to God. That's what he sent us out to do, to, to do the same thing that he did, proclaim the acceptable year to set the captives free, to share the gospel, the good news. We don't do it of ourselves. We do it by the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifting that he's given us as we humble ourselves and realize that we're the man. We're the ones that deserve death. We will go to others who deserve death and we will overlook their transgression and preach the gospel to them and let Christ set them free. We don't just bring them and go, I'm accusing them. I see their sin, but I don't see my own. I see their sin, but I'm, I'm, I'm self-righteous. Isn't that what these Pharisees were? They were trying to use the word of God as a cloak to continue doing what they were doing. And the God of the universe was standing before them, trying to set them free. And they would rather stick with their old program. They would rather stick with their old religion. They would rather stay in death and be in bondage than to hear the gospel and let it set them free. So this woman, listen, think about this for a minute. The woman is standing there. And one by one, all of her accusers walk away. Think about it for a minute. Because we're getting ready to find out that those accusers are going to die in their sin. If we keep our eyes fixed upon others instead of putting them on Jesus Christ, you're subject to die in your sin. Because all you're worried about is judging others instead of judging yourself so that you would not be judged. Our communion text. 
Listen, but what does he say to the woman? Look at verse 10. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, isn't that all that's on his heart is his church, his bride? He said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord, no one, Kurios. She sees him as supreme in authority, as a master. And Jesus said to her, good words, neither do I condemn you. Listen, he's not condoning. He's not winking at. He's not excusing her sin. Listen, I do not condemn you. He did not come to condemn. We were already condemned. He came to save and set the captives free that didn't know they were condemned, that didn't know they were being judged, that didn't know they were already going to be cast into hell. But what does he say? Go and sin no more. So in order to literally come to salvation, you need to have a heart to go and sin no more. That's what it means when you believe in Jesus. You change your mind. You don't go and keep doing what you were doing. Jesus doesn't wink. Jesus doesn't condemn. Jesus doesn't excuse. What he does is tell her to change directions. I'm here to set you free, and you're going the wrong way. You're living in the wrong place. You're continuing with death. And you have to metanoia, repent. It means to change your mind, to go in another direction. And when you turn from sin, you have to turn to Jesus. There's nowhere else to turn. Listen, if you have a program, you'll turn to something else, right? If you have a problem with your spouse, you'll turn to something else. You'll try to please your spouse. Listen, you must turn to God. You must come to his plan of salvation. You must turn to him. And his plan is to go and have a heart to sin no more. Now, listen, you're going to stumble. All of us will. I'm not giving you permission to stumble, but our heart needs to be to serve him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength to go in the direction of light. And that's why the next verse tells us about light. The very next verse in verse 12, let's read our morning's text. As we get up, turn from and go, and we are looking to sin no more, how are we going to do this? We got a program, we got a plan, got somebody keeping you accountable, you're gonna write some steps out, you go make a new year's resolution. No, it has to be a new life, a change of heart, a change of direction. What is your plan now? Are you still or have you ever begin to go in a different direction in your life after meeting Jesus? Listen. She comes straight at the place of judgment, standing before the Lord of glory, waiting to be judged, feeling condemned, feeling ashamed, knowing that she's on trial and in the midst of this. And he says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Isn't that the grace of God? I could stay in this text all day long. And many commentators say it's not even supposed to be in the Bible. I laugh at them and say, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? How can we go and do this? You can't 
without the great I am. And that's our next statement Jesus makes. It says, then Jesus spoke to them again. Don't you long to hear his voice? Don't you want him to keep speaking? Don't you hate it when God is silent? Oh, there's reasons for him to be silent. I got a whole list of them in the back of my Bible. I'm not going to go into that today. But there's reasons for God to be silent in your life. You do not want God to be silent because of sin in your life. Because you've went the same direction. And you say, I don't hear God's voice. Listen, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Right? Listen to what he's getting ready to say. Listen, the gospel is so repetitive. The Bible is so repetitive. You're going to see in a minute, he looks at him and says, I'm, I'm just what I've been telling you from the beginning. From the very beginning. If you started reading through the Bible with us, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's the origins. It's the genesis of all things. We might get there today. Look at this. He spoke to them again and again and again. Keep on speaking, Lord Jesus. We don't want your voice to be silent for the wrong reasons. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Now, I, I, I contemplated just stopping here and saying, let's spend the whole day on that one verse. But I'm going to keep moving. The Pharisees therefore said to him, You bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from and where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. And yet if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone but I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. Then they said to him, Where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. Then Jesus said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself? Because he says, Where I go, you cannot come. And he said to them, You are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Then they said to him, Who are you? And Jesus said to them, Just what I have been saying to you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard from him. They did not understand that he spoke to them of the Father. Then Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do the things that please him. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. 
Let's pray. Father, speak to us clearly this morning that we would not rise up from here, leave this room, this place of meeting with you in your holy sanctuary with an intent to go and sin. But we would be intending to go and sin no more. Not to practice sin, not to practice darkness, but to walk in your marvelous light. Wake us up, Lord, as your sheep, as your people, as your bride that's betrothed to you. Wash us and cleanse us and give us a desire uh, to go and proclaim liberty to the captives and set the captives free in 2023. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So back in our text, go and sin no more. Well, how are we going to do that? We have the second claim. Jesus speaking again, of course. He spoke to them again, and he's still speaking today, louder than ever before. He doesn't stop speaking, but he's just saying what's in the Word of God. He's uncovering the truth. But look what he says. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Now, this is the second of seven I am statements that he's going to make. If you remember, it's ego of me. And it refers all the way back to Exodus 3.14 when Moses said, well, whom shall I say sent me? Because he tells them to go set the people free. And he says, I am that I am. I am the self-existing one. I am the becoming one. I am what you need. I am the light of the world. Remember, we've already had one, the bread of life. You can eat of nothing else spiritually than him, the bread of life. If you want to be nourished, in, it has to be the word of God. The word of God is the bread of life. And now he makes another claim. I am the light of the world. And of course, light, can mean fire. We're still at the Feast of the Tabernacles, if you'll remember with me. He's still in the, we see over in verse 20, the treasury, which is the women's court where the treasury is at. It's where they keep all the money in these storerooms. Um, and some of the typology that's going on as he preaches to them, they would understand far better than us. If you remember when they were in the wilderness, what, what led them? There was a fire by night and a cloud by day, a cloud to protect them and cover them because everything is about a covering. It covered them in the day heat. And then at night when it was cold, there was a fire, there was a light so they could still see in the darkness. And so you have that typology going on. And he says, I am the light of the world. Listen, do you remember from, from chapter 1? That's the whole theme of this gospel. Remember chapter 1? I'll read it instead of quoting it. 1-1. One, one. In the beginning was the Word. All that I've said from the beginning. And the Word was with God. And the word was God. We just sang it in song at Christmas time. Word of the Father, now in flesh, appearing. That's 
1.14, by the way. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. Then here it is in verse 4. You want to know what light means? In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it, could not extinguish it, could not comprehend it. Many men will not comprehend it. They will not come to an understanding and believe that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. But light in the Bible obviously refers to purity, holiness. It it, it refers to good and right, truth. It refers to the Word of God. They're all used interchangeably. In fact, and I'm going to be going a lot of places, look at 1 John. 1 John, and we're going to see this all the way through. John's uh, uh, Gospels are the same. 1 John, he says in 1 John 5, This is the message which we have heard. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God from Him. Now Now listen, I just want to line you up with this. Notice that he's doing what he heard from the Father. We're getting this in the text. That's the witness. That's his testimony. Everything that he heard from the Father, he's doing. And then he goes away and sends his spirit back to us. And everything that we hear from him, we do. Listen, we're following the example of what Jesus followed, which was the plan of salvation that the Father gave him because he so loved the world that he sent Jesus into the world to wake us up and shine light into our darkness, into our evil and unrighteousness. Listen to this. This is the message. This is John speaking still, which was we have heard from him. And now we declare it to you. Have you heard any messages about Jesus? Are you declaring it in any way to anybody else? Listen, this is the only reason we're still here is to be witnesses to this light that has come into the world to set the captives free. It's the only reason we're still here. That God is light. This is what we declare. We heard it. We declare it to you that God is light. He's fire. He's a consuming fire. Let him consume you now today and wash and cleanse you or that fire will become judgment because he's not judging now. This is the time when he's not judging. It's an age when he's not judging. He's proclaiming that he's setting the captives free. But there is going to be a day of judgment when he comes the second time. And then that fire will be eternal fire where there'll be gnashing of teeth. God is light, and in him is no darkness. Somebody get a calculator out and figure out how much no is at all. I think that's like double-double something there. No darkness at all. No evil, no unrighteousness. If we say, these are uh, evidences, if we say what's coming out of our mouth, that we have fellowship, all things in common with God, koinonia, with him, and walk, peripateo, that means your general practice, what you're occupied with, in darkness we lie and do not practice the truth. Notice it's practice because when we are told to go and sin no more, it's with an intent that I want to learn what the truth is. I'm going to do the opposite of what Eve did and listen to another voice. I want to learn what the truth is, and I want to go practice righteousness. I want to stop practicing unrighteousness, but there's no way for me to know what is righteous and unrighteous unless I see the light. 
unless I come to the light, unless I get into the word, prayer, and fellowship and confess my sin and allow the Holy Spirit to tell me what's right and lead me, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. Listen, you've got the inner voice in your consciousness just like me. There's conviction. But if you continue to walk in darkness and do what you want, how you want, according to the world, and you just live and make up your own God, it will cauterize your senses. And soon you'll think you're okay, hard-hearted, judging others and bringing people that have committed adultery and say, look at them, but you never humble yourself in the sight of God so that he can lift you up. You never allow him to wash and cleanse you. You never allow him to send you. You never allow him to use you as a voice for the gospel to set the captives free. And you stay in your darkness, in your covenant with death instead of walking out a covenant of life. Verse 7, 1, 7 of 1 John, But if we walk, peripateo, we're occupied with, that's what I'm aiming at, in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship, all things in common. Look, look if that's my intent, is to walk with him, follow him, I'm going to have all things in common with one another. See, we have it together. We're all we're all putting on the mind of Christ. That's what we're supposed to be doing. If we are one body, if we all betrothed to Christ, if we are serving the same God, we'll have the same mind that we want to set the captives free. We want to proclaim the gospel. I can't do it by myself. You can't do it by yourself. But we can all do it as a body together if we allow him to be the head. When they see our love for one another, no matter what's going on, we love one another not sloppy agape, but love, true love. Love speaks the truth. Love shines light on darkness. Love calls people out and says, wait a minute, what are you doing? That's not the gospel. When they see us loving one another, they will know our, we are his disciples. We haven't got there yet. We'll get there soon. Look what it says here, 17b, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We get the position because of the sacrifice made for us. But if we're not doing the other stuff, we really don't have the blood upon our doorpost. Because when the blood goes upon your doorpost, the Spirit of God comes in, and he's going to lead you and direct you into following the light, to following the truth, to being holy and wanting to follow God, wanting to share the gospel. It's not that you're earning it. It's not that you're buying it. It's because there's a seal, a mark upon you that leads you in the way you're supposed to go. If we say that we have no sin, just slowly I want to unwind that. Listen, it's not just saying I have no sin, even though that's what it says. But if I want to bring somebody to the Jesus and say, look what they're doing and judge their sin and not deal with my own sin, then it's like I'm saying I'm already righteous and I'm self-righteous. Listen, we are to speak the truth in love, but we need to be careful judging God's servants or we become a judge of the law. We become a, God, a judge of somebody else's servants and it's dangerous for our own lives because we think we're okay and we need to keep remembering that we have been set free by the blood of Jesus. And that we were once sons of disobedience. We were once in darkness. And we can stumble at any time. 
and it's only by the grace that we stand. So if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Only deception I think that we have in the church is self-deception. And the truth is not in us. If the truth is not in you, the Spirit's not in you. Truth, Jesus is the Spirit. We'll see it in a minute. I'm going to go quite a few places. If we confess, if we agree, if we say, I do our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now think about it. Let's just think about it long and hard. No, just two seconds. That's all I'm giving you. Um, If He's still faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us for all unrighteousness, it means that practically... Even though we've got up and we want to go and sin no more, we still have unrighteousness and sin in us, the practice of sin. We're still carrying this flesh. We still have the old nature. We can still make a choice to sin instead of follow Jesus. Are you with me here? You can still make that decision or 1 one nine would not be in the Bible. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us so if we try to claim that we don't need a savior we're self-righteous already listen we want to have fellowship with the light because he is in the light we want to walk in the light jesus said i am the light you know they know that he's making a clear claim to be in deity he's going to claim to be the son of god he's going to claim that his father's with him these are all clear claims to the jewish nation that he's claiming to be deity and that's why they pick up rocks to stone him that's why they eventually kill him they they declare it to be blasphemy blasphemy for him to say that he is the son of god the son of man the messiah they're declaring it to be blasphemy and they stay in their hard hearts I am the light of the world, uh, the, the creation, the adorning world, meaning the living and uh, the, the things in the world. And he says, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness. So if you're following Jesus, being led by the Holy Spirit, there's no way to walk in darkness. Because his light, remember, remember Psalms 110, or excuse me, 119, 105? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so it shines down where your feet are standing at. Where are your feet standing at today? Is it in the kingdom of God or are you standing in the world? And and, and then the light goes out like a beam, like if you take a flashlight and you see the light out there. That's the way I'm supposed to go. I don't go like this away from the light. I don't go like this and go, you know what? I I said a prayer and I'm okay and I'm just going to go over here in darkness and keep doing what the world is doing. I'm just going to go over here even though I see the light directing me to go this way by His Spirit telling me I need to do these things. I'm going to keep going over here in the dark places. You ever run around in your bedroom at at night and bump your toe? Man, that hurts. That hurts. That's why they came up with night lights. So you don't have to bump stuff. You can see good enough in the shadows. But see, with Christ, there is no shadows. There is no darkness. There is no shifting. Look, look at, look at uh, again, James 1, 17. That's why I said I didn't know if I was going to stay in one place or go all the way through the whole Bible. Because when you start breaking down this light and this fire, James 1, 17, listen to this. Every good gift 
Jesus is the greatest gift ever given. Every perfect gift, he's perfect. Listen, nothing wrong with him. You don't need any other program. You don't need to mix it with anything else. Oh, we got a program over here and we're mixing the gospel with it. It's, it's Bible-based. Listen, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and comes down from who? The Father of lights. He's called the Father of lights. Truth, purity, holiness, righteousness, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. And of his own will, just because of him, and he said, I have sworn, the Lord said to my Lord, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Listen, the Father of light sends the great I am, comes down through a virgin birth and becomes the light of the world that shines light into your darkness and wakes us up. That's amazing to me. I'm like, I said, I was sitting around this morning going, I don't have nothing to say. How could I ever talk about the light of the world and do it justice? Because it's your relationship with God. It's you letting the light shine in you. It's you letting the Spirit of God convict you. It's you allowing your personal relationship to make a difference, to get up and go sin no more. And it's pretty serious, too, because we've been handed a, a bad bill of goods by the devil who's taken over uh, most pulpits and the church. And, and we, we read all these great books and all these hear all these great sermons and we go and do what they say because it's easier to have your ears tickled. It's easier to have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof, the work of the Spirit of God in our life. Listen to me. He's the light of the world in a dark world. Are you guys awake to me today? Say amen. amen. Okay, have you been reading through the Bible with us? Because the very first day on January 1, what does it say? Listen to me. In the big inning, he loves baseball. It was a big inning that day. Oh, never mind. In the beginning, God created, and that's bara ex nihilo, out of nothing, the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Listen, it's dark. What's the first thing God does? Verse 3, for the Trinity. Then God spoke. God said, let there be light. This is the first thing He does in creation. And there was light. All because he said it. Now listen to me, lest you think he's talking about the sun. He doesn't do that till day four. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Notice darkness was there first, evening and the morning. That's what they, their whole calendar in the Jewish tradition starts at six o'clock at night and ends at six the next day. And then if you jump down in 114, 
Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens and divide the day from the night and let there be let them be for signs and seasons and for days and for years and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens and give light on the earth. And it was so. Why? Because God said. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. See, he hasn't even created man yet. But I want you to see this because this is, a, a, to me, is an amazing, amazing analogy when I first heard it in, uh, uh, 20 some years ago. Is that even today, these are types of the sun is called the sun because it is the sun, right? But it's bright. It's magnificent. If we were one inch closer to it, we'd burn up. If we was one inch further away from it, we would freeze to death. We're set perfectly in the firmament. God put it there by speaking, right? But then he made this other dead planet. Stick with me. Don't get lost. And when the sun is over here, the dead planet's on the other side of the world, but it's reflecting the sun. When you look up at the moon at night that's governing the night and you see the light upon it, it's a dead planet. It has no light of its own. It's the little light that is reflecting the sun from the other side of the solar system. And the same thing happens in our lives. See, we're down here in the darkness, but we don't belong to darkness anymore if we believe in Jesus. Now we are dead men walking, reflecting the light of the Son of God who's in heaven praying for us. Listen, but you can't do that without the Spirit. You can't do that without deciding to get up and sin no more. You can't do that without understanding the truth of the gospel, that you need the light of the world to reflect off of you and stop judging people, but going out to redeem people, to set the captives free, to reconcile them to God. That's what an ambassador does, as if God was pleading through us, be reconciled to God. But man comes down and they make up all kinds of other programs, all kinds of other things that we're doing, and they go, go do that, go do that, go do that. Listen, we are supposed to be dead men walking. Remember Galatians? I have been crucified, it's 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We're not living our lives anymore. If we've truly been bought and have the seal of God upon us, now we are dead men walking, reflecting the light, following the example of one who has come, to, who's been anointed with the Holy Spirit upon us to set the captives free. We're proclaiming the year of liberty. This is the time of liberty and freedom. And it's going to end soon. And if those do not believe in him, they're going to die in their sins. And those who die in their sins will go to hell. So if we think we can actually serve God and stay in our sin and practice sin and live any way we want and not follow the light, we're on our way to hell with hardened hearts. I mean, the book of Hebrews, go read the book of Hebrews. Do not harden your heart as in the day of rebellion where they all fell dead in the wilderness because they would not cease from their works and enter into his works and rest in the, the finished work of Christ. 
Now let me take you to the other Gospels where Jesus talks about this exact same thing. John has given you the spiritual side. John has given you the practical washing and cleansing side. Jesus says in Luke 9, 23, if anyone wants to come after me to follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Follow means to be in the same way with. In other words, you're being led by the Spirit of God to do the same work of God for the will of God, for the glory of God, because you have come and you understand your identity is to set the captives free. That people are still running around in their own esteem, thinking they're okay to live any way they want, when in fact God has called us to set the captives free. That's what salvation is, is deliverance from our own ways, deliverance from the sin nature. So when it says, take up your cross, we think, oh, I got a little cross necklace. Is that what you mean? I'll pick that up and just wear it out there where everybody can see it. No, cross was the worst way of death in the culture. When Jesus spoke of cross, they weren't going, oh, I have one at home. They were saying, what? That means death. The cross means death. The only thing that we see in our culture about the cross is that the Romans kill the worst criminals with a cross. They nail them to a tree. Today we've made it costume jewelry so that it doesn't sound like it means that you, if anyone desires, that means you have the desire, you have the the. the the, the thought in your heart because of the Spirit of God, because you were not condemned for your sin to get up and sin no more, and, and now you're going to change your mind and go in a different direction, you must deny self. Oh, I want to get up and go to the game today. You have to deny yourself. You're on mission with God. I'm not telling you never be entertained, never go to a game, but what did God say? Did God say go to the game and witness to people, or did God say just go ahead and play? It's a playground. No, it's a battleground. And if all you're doing is playing with God, that's not the salvation that God offers. Listen, he said, if you desire to come after me, you have to deny yourself. Say no to your desires. Say no to what you want to do. You have to die and humble yourself. Take up your cross. That's death completely. And then be in the way with him. What did they do to him? They killed him. They mocked him. They spit on him. They beat him. They falsely accused him. That's suffering. That's persecution. And all who suffer persecution, that's what you have to do. It's been granted to you. Listen to me. The gospel we're worshiping today is not the gospel from the Bible. Oh, you want to hear it again? Let's see. Let's see in Matthew what he says in Matthew. Um, I got it here written somewhere. Let me find it so I don't have to turn there. I'll just tell you where it's at. It's Matthew 10.38. He who does not take up his cross and follow is not worthy of me. 1038. You can look there if you want. Turn over to Matthew 1038. Listen, I want you to understand this. I'm not trying to give you some other gospel. I'm taking it right from the word of God that's on the pages. 1038 says that if you don't take up your cross, that means die to what you want to do. You're not even worthy. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who does, or she who loses his life for my sake will find it. Listen, you have to give your life up. Surrender it over. Lay it down completely. Here it is, Lord, not mine anymore. You bought it with your precious blood. 
And whatever you call me to do, I will do. I was talking last night to my son when we came over here 15 years ago um, in about two weeks, three weeks maybe, 15 years ago. My wife cried for months, for months, well, three months, four months, over us moving here. She didn't want to do it, but she knew that God called us to do it. When I put, it was 2008, I put a sign up in the front yard, walked out the door with her crying, put a sign up in the front yard for sale by owner, and before I could get five minutes away, somebody called me on the phone and said, we just seen your sign in the yard, and we'd like to buy your house. And God confirmed that he was calling us, even though we really didn't want to go. We were comfortable. We had a front porch with two white rockers on it, just remodeled her kitchen, loved the house we were in. It was a great house on Lacrosse Court, which means the cross. It was the Bible study house for 30 years on that block. And somebody else bought it out from under and they turned it into a party house. And then they lost it into bankruptcy and we bought it back and redeemed that house. And I was like, yeah, you know, the neighbor who's like 70 years old got saved in our house some 15, 20 years earlier. I mean, it was a great testimony. And like, we don't need to go anywhere. We're doing great. I'm an associate pastor. We love what we're doing. And God said, go. And the question is, are we going to die to self and follow God? Or are we going to have our tent pegs in so deep? That's the first sermon I ever heard, by the way, in Numbers. Tent pegs in so deep, you can't move. What do you mean, Greg? See, if you drive your tent pegs in so deep into the ground, because these are tents, that you go, oh, that's not God. Uh, I must have eaten too much pizza. That's not God calling us out because I can't leave right now. My job is this, and this is this, and that is this. My wife cried for, for months over it, but she knew that we were called to go. Doesn't make, make it a happy thing. We couldn't find a house. And there's a couple things that me and her both had said all of our lives, even before we were saved. She said she never wanted to live in a trailer again. And I said, well, I don't, my sister used to do it. And I said, I don't ever want to drive 50 minutes to work. That's, that's stupid. It makes my day two hours longer. And you know what? God called us out against our desires and we couldn't find a house in the area. We had to buy a modular, which there's nothing wrong with modulars. I'm just saying my wife desired not to live in a house that had strips on it that looked like a trailer. And so I had to remodel all of that for her. Then she didn't want to move and we still sold it. And I had to drive 50 minutes to work. The two things that we both used to always say emphatically, we'd never do. God said, really? I didn't know that never and always was in your vocabulary. Those are my words. And see, if you're going to live for God, never and always should not be in your vocabulary. All things are possible with God. If we will take up our cross, deny self and follow him, he can make a way in the dark. And this little church hasn't had many more, maybe, maybe 10 more than this is in here right now at one time when we were over in Attica, but it hasn't had very many, but he's kept us here for 15 years. Only because of his grace, his mercy, what he's doing, because he wants us to proclaim the truth and set the captives free. You can't do it any other way but preaching the gospel and trusting him. But you have to say no to self. And I'm not even trying to point at myself because you can ask my wife, I'm a selfish guy. I am very selfish. I'm not going to go into it, but Jesus is the light of the world. And if you follow him, 
You shall not walk in darkness. Peripateo, it's what you're occupied with, is the things of this dark world. So many people call themselves Christians, but they're still occupied with the American dream. They're still caught up in the politics of this world. And I'm not telling you you're not allowed to work. You're not allowed to vote. You're not allowed to do these things. But this is not our home. This is not what we're called for. We're called on mission with God to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what? Teaching them to obey all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Notice in the text the example of Jesus. I do what the Father said. I always do what he says so it pleases him. But I heard it from him first, and he never leaves me. He's not forsaken me. He's always been with me. Then the same example comes to you and me. Through Jesus, the Spirit comes back, and he'll never leave us nor forsake us. But the only way to please him is to hear and have a life of faith, a life that follows by faith, not by sight. Not by sight. Jesus, second I am statement, clearly claims he's God. He is the light of the world. This whole world is in darkness. Listen. 1 John 5, 19, I know you're of God. I know you're of the light. I know you're of the truth. I know you want to be pleasing to God by faith. But the whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one, the sway of wickedness. The whole world lies under darkness. So if we get our marching orders from this world instead of the word of God, the L stands for lie. It's a lie. No fellowship with God if we're marching to the beat of the drum of this world instead of denying self, dying, taking up our cross, and following Him. We're not worthy of the kingdom of God if we don't have a heart to get up and sin no more. The great news is, is by His grace and His mercy, He has called us out of walking in darkness. Darkness, evil, unrighteousness following the plan so many have been taken captive by the devil to do his will we've seen that in second timothy last week taking captive to do the will of the devil in the church taken captive and the only cure again is the light you get to Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17, and it tells us that all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man and woman of God might be thoroughly furnished, ready for every good work that God calls you to do. But it has to come from walking in the light. It has to come from understanding that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, that he is the living incarnate word of God and you cannot do as Eve did and keep ignoring his truth and say, ah, it's all right, God will wink at it. God will condone it. No, one day he's going to judge it and your heart will be so hard that you won't even care. You won't even mind. And, it, and, and, and I just want to make a quick disclaimer. I tell people this all the time and it's a very good thing to know. If you even care, then God's not finished with you. And all it takes is one prayer to come back. If you even care, and there's anything that's saying, 
I want to walk with Jesus. I want to walk in the light. I want to get up and sin no more. That's because the Spirit of God is still speaking to your heart. And He's turning over this fallow ground. And He has to break up that ground. And some hard things will happen for Him to plow that up. And if it hasn't been plowed up in a long time and the Word of God, the seed of the truth and the light of God has not been planted down in there so it can bear up fruit, it might hurt. You might have to cut off some branches in your, in your life. You might have to cut off some people, some things, in order to fellowship in the light and be a witness in the light. You know, it's so funny that even though they couldn't recognize Jesus, when they came to arrest him, they needed somebody to point him out. They gave Judas 30 pieces of silver to betray innocent blood. That when they seen him, they always knew who he was. When he was in the temple, you didn't need to go, hey, there's Jesus. They would just get angry and hateful and mad. And they want to go question him and growl at him. And, and they wanted him to stop teaching the people. They wanted him to stop proclaiming truth and light. So much that they end up turning him over to the Romans to be crucified. Mm. We'll get more of that next week. It gets really good next week when you get to 31 and 32 and Jesus says to those disciples who believed, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. This is what we're looking at is being set free. The captives cannot be set free by staying in the word and watching TV and doing what the world is doing. The only way the captives can be set free is if you let this light, this word of God shine into your dark heart and open you up and you humble yourself and you say, I'm the man. I'm the man. And I want to get up and go and sin no more because I'm also betrothed to Christ. I don't have to stay the man because he's put away my sin. He's taken my curse. He's died for me. That's why he came. He didn't come to judge you. He came to bring judgment upon sin and set the captives free. And if we believe in him and we have his spirit, then that's what we want to do. We want to follow, be in the way with the light of the world, little lights. He actually says that in the Sermon on the Mount, that we are the light of the world. We're not supposed to hide it under a bed or in a peck bush. We're supposed to set it up on a hill where people can see that our life is different because we met Jesus. Our life is different. You don't have to say anything. I remember I used to work at Trinity Mission, and I'd be going down the road, and guys would hide from me because they knew that I was trying to bring the light. They knew that I was going to be talking about Jesus. Not that I have any sufficiency of myself. I am not perfected. I'm being perfected. But they knew that that's all I'm going to talk about because it's the only thing that's ever set me free. And that same light has shown in our darkness. Let's look over at 2 Corinthians. I want to go here. I didn't want to go here because I really need to read like two chapters. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Not Philippians. Where's 2 Corinthians? Is it after 1 Corinthians? Oh, there it is. It's on page 2124. I don't know what we're going to get out of this. I'm ready to jump up and yell from the rooftops. We're the captives, people, and we need to be set free. But you can't be set free by continuing to go in the same direction you've always went. You have to deny self. And the very first thing you want to do to deny self is start reading the Word of God. Turn the TV off. Unhook your cable if you have to. 
I remember we moved over here, you know, we moved over here, and everybody was a little bit freaking out, and we're going, what's going on? And we find this house, and, we, and, and, and the whole world is like upside down when we're trusting the Lord, and things are attacking. And, and so we hooked cable back up. We hadn't had cable in 10 years. We hooked cable back up at our house. It wasn't a month, and I said, I cut that thing. I paid it for the rest of the year. I cut it. I said, we're done. We don't want this in our house. We let more stuff through the TV than we, if it came and knocking on our front door, we wouldn't let it in. We'd let Jesus answer the door. Get them. It's evil. But we'll turn on our TV and we'll let all of this sway of the wicked one train our children. Just put them in front of the TV. They'll quit. We train our children and let the wickedness come through the TV. Sometimes you just got to cut some stuff off. Where did I say to go? Okay, 2 Corinthians 3, I'm going to start in uh, verse 4 and read through the rest of the Bible. Because it all says the same thing. Die to self and receive Jesus. Quit doing your will and do His. Because He has a much better plan. Even when you're doing a good program, listen, He's got a better one. He's got salvation. He's got newness of life. He makes you a new creation. Your program doesn't work, even if you've got it written down. I want to pray now and do this there and do this that. You're not Be led by the Spirit of God, understanding what the will of the Lord is, walking circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time, for the days are evil. Let's look. Now, see, this whole book, of uh, uh, there's four books of Corinthians, and we have two of them. Um, and Paul is defending himself because of the liars. Paul is going out. He's died to himself. He was the, the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was an amazing guy that was teaching or learning under the Jewish system underneath Gamaliel. The only thing that Gamaliel said wrong to about it was I couldn't keep enough books in his hands. Here he was killing Christians, and he come to Jesus in Acts chapter 9 on his road to Damascus, and his life flipped upside downward. He went from in Damascus blind to having the light because a servant come and prayed over him. And then he got up and preached the gospel instantly. Listen, and he went from going to arrest and, and put in prison people who believed in Jesus to having to be let down over the wall in a basket to escape for his own life because they were going to kill him because he came to Jesus. And he began to proclaim the name of Jesus because of light coming into his heart and waking him up. And now they're following him around. He's planting churches, giving his life away, laying his life down, teaching the truth by the Spirit of God for the glory of God. And they turn around and write him letters and say that he is wrong, that he's bad. And he has to write these letters to defend himself and says, if I have to come to you, I'm going to lay hands on you. That's what he says in one of the letters. Some of you I will lay hands on if I have to come to you. He actually says that, and I know you guys don't understand that because Jesus is kind and loving. He didn't really make a whip and beat everybody up and chase them out of the temple. He didn't beat no people up. He turned over tables. You know, listen, the gospel is not all of this ushy-gushy, we love everybody and put up with everything you're doing. That's the world. That's the world that's bringing everything into a convergence. One world religion monetary system one governing system that's the world that's underneath the sway of the wicked one jesus came to bring a sword that divides households it divides truth divides light divides darkness and it sets the captives free and others stay dead 
We have to wake up to what Jesus is doing and not follow the spirit of this world and keep walking in darkness. Darkness says, okay, I like what you're doing. I don't believe it, but you can do it if you want. That's darkness. Light is, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus died for you. You don't have to do that. You don't have to believe that lie. You can actually believe in truth and be set free. You don't have to be trapped in that body. You are set free. You were created fearfully and wonderfully. I'm going to go crazy up here. Calm down, Greg. Where was I going to read from? Let's do four. Three, four of 2 Corinthians, as we ran out of time an hour ago. And we have such trust through Christ toward God. Notice their trust. Their faith is in Christ toward God. Not that we are, listen to this, not that we are sufficient of ourselves. Listen, Christ is our sufficiency. To think of anything as being from ourselves, we don't have anything of our own. If we have it, it was given to us for the manifold grace of God to give to others. If we have any light or truth to give, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Notice that there's a new covenant. It's freshly made for you. It's new. And he made us sufficient. See, we sit around and go, I can't do this. I can't tell anybody. I can't be a minister. I can't be an ambassador. Listen, the Holy Spirit makes you sufficient. It's not you. When you die to self, when you walk off saying, I don't want to sin anymore, Lord. I want to have a heart for you. I want to be sufficient by you. I want to trust you and not myself. Notice this, the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. See, the letter of the law is death. With the law, it pointed to death. Break the law, you die. Wages of sin is death. But of the spirit, this is a, this is a ministry of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Verse 7, but if the ministry of death, notice what he calls it, the ministry of death. The, the law, he calls the ministry of death written and engraved on stones, written with the finger of God, was glorious. Listen, it was glorious. They could, he could have killed them all right then. Right there in the wilderness for making the golden calf and beginning to be uh, adulterous toward God when they said, we'll follow you, God. We'll obey you, God. That's what they said when they come out of Egypt. They said, we'll follow you. We'll obey you. Moses couldn't even get back down from the mountain 40 days with the finger of God scratched 10 commandments. And they already said, hey, Aaron, Aaron, we don't know where your brother went, but we need a God to worship. So make us one. He said, okay, break off all your gold jewelry out of your rings and out of your noses. Take them all out, all your gold. And then he said, boom. And out of the fire come this holy cow. And they began to worship it. And God said to Moses, get down from here. Those people of yours have rose up to play already. Listen to me. Listen. It's the same thing still today. We will follow you, Lord. And then we go back to the world, rise up and play. We play, we play the adulteress and we do whatever we want. I'm the man. I'm the one, Lord, forgive me. And he says, I put away your sin. You'll not die for it now. I died on a cross for you. I took your judgment. I took your punishment. This is the witness we're getting here. 
But as the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious, and that was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance. They call it the Shekinah glory. He's shining, which glory was passing away. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of death, condemnation, had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in, the, in this respect because of the glory that excels. Now listen, I'm not going to sit here and teach all this. I'm trying to read and get to a point. So keep moving. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious, the new covenant of life. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Listen, that's why we can speak boldly. Paul prayed for boldness in uh, Ephesians 6, 21. And pray for me that boldness might be given to me that I might speak the gospel as I ought to speak. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing. Listen, this was a type that the law was not there to stay. He would meet with God. The Shekinah glory would be upon him. And then he would stop glowing. It would start to go away. It would dissipate. So he put a veil over his face so they didn't know it was going away. Because we judge the outer appearance, obviously. And they're looking at his outer appearance. And they go, oh, the glory's passing away. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. Only when the light shines in can the veil be taken away. Listen, people today, the Jewish nation, they don't believe Jesus is the Christ. Their eyes are veiled by the devil. People in the church, their eyes are veiled. There's Andy Stanley's that will say, we don't need the Old Testament. Your eyes are veiled. You don't know Christ if you say you don't need the foundation. Today, or excuse me, 15, but even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on, the, on their hearts. Notice where it's at. Notice what God wants. He wants your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If he gets your heart, you'll follow him. If he gets the middle of you, you'll deny self. If he gets your heart, you will take up your cross and follow him. But where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. It's no mistake that he's speaking in the treasury. He's looking at these people that are pharisaical and they're putting money away in the rooms and they're saying, look at me and all that I do. And Jesus in another time at that same place would say that the woman who gave the might gave all because she gave out of her lack. She knew that when she put in her own one little mina, her one penny, she had nothing left. That's where he wants us to be. Nothing left. Dead to self. Broke spiritually. He's teaching in the treasury when he says all of this. Not Paul, but Jesus back in our text in our new beginning. Chapter 8 of John, the grace of God. Nevertheless, when one, this is verse 16, turns to the Lord, turns. You're going in one direction and you turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Anybody want to know who the Lord is? Now the Lord is the Spirit. You want to know who the Lord Jesus is? 
Now, the Lord is the Spirit. Let me give you a clue here who the Lord is. The one who seals you, marks you. The one who came back and lives in your heart. When he says, I will give you another, I'll not leave you as orphans. Another means the exact same one. It's God living in you. The Lord is the Spirit. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. The Spirit of God will lead you in the Word of God, which is the exact same God. What he's already said. He's not speaking anything new. He's already spoken. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. Anybody want to know who the Lord is? Sorry. Sorry, it's the breath of life. Pneuma is the word there where we get pneumatic tools. Pneuma, breath of life that gives power to a tool. If you're his tool in his kingdom, you need his breath in you to lead you and direct you and to open the word of God up to you so you can go live for him. But you must die to your own power, your own strength, your own works, or he will leave the room. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. We're setting the captives free. But we all, I think he's from Kentucky like me. We all, y'all, sorry, with unveiled face, beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord and being transformed, metamorphosis, being transformed, becoming new creations, into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, since we have this ministry, what ministry? Ministry of life, not the ministry of death that come from the law over in chapter 3. As we have received mercy, mercy is not getting what you deserve. We all deserve death, but God gave us mercy. And what does he do? In grace, he gives us life. We do not lose heart. It's all about our heart. But we have renounced, put away, the hidden things of shame, not walking in the craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience, their co-perception in the sight of God. Now listen, he's defending himself. These other people are saying that he's doing this and that and the other thing, and that he's just trying to build his own ministry. And he's saying, no, we're not handling the word of God with craftiness. We're giving you the unadulterated truth and letting it fall where it may. And if your heart will receive it, then receive it. Let light shine in your darkness. That he even has to defend himself is sad. Verse 3, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Listen, all we have to do is let Jesus lead us, go out and minister and shine our light, share the gospel. And if they don't receive it, it's because they are veiled. They're dying anyway. They're not called for salvation. Don't spend your time on people that are perishing. How do you know? You don't know. Just live out loud. Be a light on a hill. But people will come and they'll go, can God build a, make a rock bigger than, than he can lift? And then what will he do with it? They ask dumb questions because they're perishing. They're not interested in Jesus. They hate God. And they don't even know it because they're blinded by the devil. They have a veil over their eyes. They're perishing. They're perishing. Do we care that people are perishing? Yes, that's the whole reason for reconciliation. That's the whole reason for light. We don't judge them. We go and we get up and we sin no more and we live as trophies of grace before them. 
And as we do, the Spirit uses our lives to shine light in their darkness. And they go, there's something different. I need to know what's going on. And then you get to share the gospel with them. And then in their conscience, they have a choice to be hard-hearted or open-hearted. Verse 4 again, 4-4, four, four, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, they don't trust in Jesus, lest the light, here it is, the light, the truth of the gospel of the glory of Christ, the anointed of God, the Mashiach, who is the image of God, he's the perfect image, he's, he's God's words, he's God's heart, he's the love of God in flesh, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, Christ crucified, and ourselves your bondservants, douloses, those who voluntarily die, deny self, take up their cross, and follow for Jesus' sake. Listen, listen, this is good. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. That was Genesis 1-3 that we read. Who has shown in our hearts, where did he shine at? The place that we need is in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge, knowing Jesus, of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. His favor that comes through grace. Isn't that amazing? You see, the law wanted to see this. The law couldn't do that. It was a ministry of death. Moses said, I want to see your face. And he said, I can't do that. I'll hide you in this cleft. And when I pass by, you can see my, my Shekinah glory, the back of me, but you can't see my face. But now in the new covenant, we get to see the face of God in the face of Jesus. As we get into the word of God and he shines his light upon us, we receive that favor, that light, that truth. That's the gospel. We get to see the face of God. God did the impossible. No one can see God lest they die. And God come to earth and took flesh. And they were walking with him. Listen, and some of these people, I can't even believe it. I, I want to pop. They walked the streets with him. They talked with him. The Lord of glory. But God says that we're more blessed if we believe. And we have not seen. We have not touched. Because that's a life of faith, not of sight. He told Thomas, when he, Thomas touched the wounds, he said, he said, my Lord and my God. And he said, oh, you believe now? Well, blessed are those who do not see and, are, and still believe. We're more blessed than them. And we always want to, oh, I wish I was living when the disciples were. Listen, just live now. Be content with who you are and allow this gospel to go through you, to shine out of you. Let it transform you, metamorpho you so that other people can be set free. Setting the captives free is all the gospel is about. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. That's all it's about, reconciled to God. Okay, let's go back to our text. I've only got another hour, and that's it. I promise you, only an hour. I'm teasing, and like I said, I probably should have stopped, and I think I'm going to. Even though I read all the way up to 30, we can always cover that next week. I knew I should have stopped at this one verse. Where are you walking at? Listen, not for shame, not for guilt. 
for introspection of what the Holy Spirit would say. As His light shines on you right now in your heart, where are you walking at? Peripateo. It's your general walk. Where are you being led? Where are you going? Is it following close behind Jesus in the way with him, doing what he came to do, finishing being his hands and feet so that captives can be set free from the bondage of sin and death? Because that's what he came for was to defeat the works of the devil. And we've been taught that all you have to do is say a prayer and you're okay, you get to go. Jesus said you got to follow. That if you don't follow, you're not worthy. Jesus said in the Great Commission that we're supposed to teach to obey. Not for salvation, but because of salvation. Because disobedience is what Eve did. That's how we inherited death from Adam. But the second Adam gives us life because he took our judgment. And he says, go and sin no more. And if we will walk with him, we're going to be in the light and have fellowship with the light. And the love of Jesus will purify us. And if we truly are with him, the Bible says you shall not walk in darkness, shadiness, obscurity. Think about this again. Yea, David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Isn't that amazing? He knew his enemies were all around him. But he knew there was a greater light that was shining down on him and it cast a shadow. See, death only has a shadow now. It, it, cannot, it cannot defeat you. It's been defeated by Christ taking our judgment. He took our curse. He took our pain. He took our shame. He took everything so that we could get up. We could go and sin no more. Now, what's sin? Harmatea? Harmatea? means to miss the mark. It's an archery term where there's a target we're supposed to be hitting. That's obedience to God. It's perfection. It's holiness. Be ye perfect as I am perfect. Be ye holy as I am holy. Ah, I got no sufficiency in that, Lord. I can't do that. But he can do that. But also the mark, again, is him putting his stamp of approval upon us. When he does it positionally, now we're marked as his. But practically, we have to begin to follow him, do it his way. And when we're in the way with him, we see truth and we go, wow, that's me, isn't it? I need to confess that. And he washes and cleanses us. He keeps forgiving and cleansing us. When God forgives us, when you sin, it doesn't bother God. It doesn't hurt God a bit. We can't change the character of God. When you say, Lord, forgive me, I agree that was sin. You're, it's not like he said, okay, I'm not mad at you no more. God loves us with a never-ending love. You don't change his love for you by asking for forgiveness or sinning. But you can change your position. You can change your place. You can change what you're doing because he, he's going to stop speaking to you. He's going to stop shining light on you if you harden your heart. I'm just telling you. You have to begin to surrender to him. Or you'll end up, like we talked about last week, wood or clay. What's he writing on your heart now? He writes, writes in the sand. Where are you walking at? Is it in darkness? I mean, if you think about your life and you go, wow, I've been doing this. I've been practicing this. I've been running here. I've been going here. And you know it's not pleasing to God. You know, it, there's this stupid saying that we often say or have is that uh, just do it and we'll apologize later. 
That's not a pit of hell. If you know it's wrong, it's wrong still. And then you do it purposefully saying, God will forgive me. We need to wake up. We need to wake up. Even when it hurts, the church needs to wake up. You shall not walk, be occupied with darkness, but have the light of life. Do you have the light of life today? Or do you have the life or light of pretending? Oh, I'm okay. I, I got a few things going on, but I'm nothing like my neighbor. Listen, we're not comparing it to the neighbor. We're comparing it to Jesus and what he's called us to do, where he says we're worthy in the beloved, where he says how we're supposed to do this. You, you can't make up your own God. You can't make up your own plan. You can't make up your own way. The Father has already designed it specifically and how to deliver us out of darkness, into, out of the domain of darkness and into his marvelous light. Are you learning what God's way is? Are you learning the knowledge of the holy? Do you care? Listen, I, I don't get up here and say, get in the word prayer and fellowship just to be saying it. I've had people get so totally mad at me, they leave the church and go, I am sick of your excuse to get in the word prayer and fellowship. I'm serious. People come and they want counsel. I say, are you in the word? No. Are you praying? Oh, sometimes. Well, you need to get in the word prayer and fellowship. And they get sick of it and they leave. Listen, where's the other counsel at? Am I sufficient to counsel you when you can actually go to what God says? I mean, I can tell you to put a Band-Aid on it. I can tell you to stop arguing for a moment while you get into the Word, Prayer, and Fellowship. But if I don't teach you to fish, you're going to keep starving all of your life. Have you guys heard that? Give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. Teach him to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. It has to be you with a personal relationship desiring to be involved with God, becoming like God, conformed into the image of God because you've decided to follow the light of the world. And to do that, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow after him, be in the way with him. And there's going to be persecution. There's going to be times when you say, well, I wanted to do that, but I'm doing this. I don't know how many times I want to come home from work on Friday night and just go to bed. And then I come to Bible study and I'm blessed by the word of God. And I have more energy afterwards. I'm ready to go win the world for Jesus because of the very nature of God's word. And when you don't feel like it, that's the time when you need to make yourself. Paul says, beat your body into subjection. That's when you need to say, flesh, no. And you beat it into subjection. I'm going to sort my socks. Beat your body into subjection. Your socks, you can wear a mismatch and nobody will ever know. Well, they might with the skinny jeans, but sorry. I'm going someplace I should not go. We've been up here too long. We're going to close on that. Listen to me. Do you desire to follow God? Ask him why if you don't. Get involved in the body of Christ if you do. 
Let other people stir you on to love and good deeds and not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. And if you've got sin in your life, get rid of it today. Today's the day for salvation. If you're doing things that you know are wrong, let his light shine on it and ask for forgiveness and move away from that darkness and walk in the light as he is in the light. And his blood will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for shining your light. Thank you that your son Jesus is our all in all. He's everything. But he's the bread of life. He's the light of the world. He's the water that come out of the rock. Oh my goodness. Thank you for the spirit of life the ministry of life that you've given us as ambassadors, as if Christ was pleading through us, be reconciled to God. Lord, set us free. Set the captives free in 2023, today and forever. Amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall